How can you translate that relationship onto digital and it doesn't come from turning people into ones and zeros? Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. Joining me for the first podcast of 2023 is Akish. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. Happy New Year to you and Happy our, New Year. our listeners. Did, did you have a nice New Year's Eve? Was it chilled? Was it was it crazy? Yeah, no, it was, um, it was very chilled out, actually. Just, you know, um, just with a lot of family, a few friends. Um, yeah, that was it, really. And um, nothing too crazy. Watched the fireworks um, and the drones and... You know, I, th- I th- thought it was probably one of the best I've ever seen in London. Actually, the drones are a nice addition. Kind of the one, the, the, kind of they incorporated them well after they after we've had them during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really good how they used them alongside the fireworks. So I really liked them, and I thought, I thought what they did with the drones in terms of like you know going through like different stuff that's happened over the year, um, the, the the little tribute thing to to the, the late Queen and then turning into Charles and and then also I, the one thing I really liked were the lights on Horse Guards Parade where they also played the music and they had like all the different cultures so they started playing like some Burner Boy for like the Afro beats and they played mm. um, don't know if you saw but they had like the LGBTQ flag on at one point as well um, they actually yeah. played a bit of Bangor in there as well um, so I just thought like it was quite good. Um, in terms I, like, of like, I like the Ukraine. Yes, like the Ukrainian, that was good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Reference and tribute with yeah. the Eurovision winning song and uh, yeah, yeah. Turning turning the eye blue and yellow. Yeah, no, I did like that. So I, I thought it was really good actually. And um, yeah, we, we watched that and then ended up talking about it for about an hour and a bit afterwards. <laughs> so I, mean, I don't know how fun that is for other people listening, but you know, it's all right. How was yours? Look, obviously, if I. We're, we're British, so we're going to be biased towards the London fireworks display. Mm. But uh, here's a question of you listening. I mean, feel free to get in touch with us. Where, where do you think the best fireworks around the world are? Oh, no. I haven't really seen I mean, Sydney's always up there, right? Sydney is up there. Dubai is always up there, aren't they? They're, they're always trying to outdo themselves. Um, yeah. But every year I, th- I seem to think, and having been to Dubai, right, every year I do think in that little pocket um, on the Burge, they they're putting up more and more buildings and flats it's going to be a time where it's not going to be secure to do fireworks <laughs> of that building <laughs> like surely every year mate it's getting more and more populated with big tall high like skyscrapers surely at one point they're just going to have to do it somewhere else so but i mean they've got a lot of ideas in dubai don't they so i'm sure a lot of money deep pockets a lot of money mate i'm sure they'll probably create a building just to <laughs> launch some fireworks off and then yeah take it down again anyway and of course um in the states you would have had times square and the ticker tape and all of that and the uh, globe that falls mm. and it's to the states where a lot of people will be heading in the technology world because uh on thursday ces kicks off for the first time proper since since the pandemic um last year was a little bit quiet because of the omicron um outbreak so i think they're expecting a hundred thousand people from the technology community to descend on vegas so if you're someone who listens to this podcast and you are going to vegas for ces hope you have a good time um we'll talk a little bit more about that later and we'll link it to today's interview our guest is john john stammel he is the ceo and founder of umiji and how that relates to ces will hopefully become apparent once myself and akish have a quick chat 
So I'm talking to John this morning. John, you're the founder of, hopefully I'm going to pronounce this right, Umiji? Exactly. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Who are Umiji before we go any further? Uh, Umiji is a technology platform that uh, enables brands to develop digital relationships with their customers and find best customers. So it's a platform that is quite intuitive to use. It's simple, but it combines uh, five different marketing applications that people tend to buy separately and integrates them. And your, your background is, I, 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 I hesitate to say legacy ad agency, but you've been in the advertising world prior to obviously starting Umiji and a lot of those lessons are what have led to this particular point. I've been in the advertising world and the strategic planning world and in the market research world. And what is it particularly about that prior experience that led you to the point where you're like, actually, what the market needs is a solution? Like Fr- what frustrations. Proposing? Yeah. Um, when I had my, uh, I was a partner in an ad agency, uh, we had a lot of national and international clients and we would hire market research firms frequently and they would come back to us and they would tell us uh, what a, a certain group believes Uh, but it would be somewhat generic because it would be about the description of that group. And I would always ask uh, the same two questions. You've told us what they believe. Now can you tell us why they believe it? And they'd say no, because we couldn't ask open-ended questions because then we would get all of this conversational text and we don't know what to do with that. And then the second question I would ask is, well, did you append the information to anyone's file in a database so that our client can ask more questions or they can message them based on who they are and do some segmentations. And they said, no, we don't append anything to anything. So I always wanted to build a platform that would enable brands to learn the why behind the what, of what their customers believe, and to be able to append any information, whether it's close-ended or open-ended, to their database so that they could segment for uh, who they are, what they believe, why they believe it, and then respond to them uh, based on their interests, needs, and perceptions. And I suppose it's, it's worth talking a little bit about the market at the minute. Obviously, many listeners will be aware that over the last uh, couple of years, kind of cookie notifications, cookie requests have popped up on websites in, in vast numbers. There's been the adverts, uh, you know, if you think about Apple's advertising of, of everyone following you into your uh, living room at home and and not wanting necessarily to be snooped on in, in uh, such large numbers. I think from a European point of view with GDPR, you know, this, this podcast, uh, I'm based in London, we're often talking to European um, founders and co-founders. We kind of understand the situation there. You mentioned before we hit record that six states here have passed similar laws and there are more coming. What, what is, what is the, the environment like here? Well, first of all, one of the reasons we've adapted as a company uh, very quickly is because until recently, most of our clients were in Europe. So we had to comply with GDPR, and so we were prepared for some of the uh, privacy regimes that have been put in place here. Mm. But the largest one is the California Consumer Privacy Act. And it's like, um, you know, if you're making cars in the U.S. and California passes uh, requirements on um, what you can have for exhaust, you're going to do that for all your cars because California is such a big factor in the economy. And it's the same thing with digital privacy, that if you want to do business in the U.S., you're going to comply with what's called CCPA, uh, which is very similar to GDPR. Now, 
cons- sorry, brands reply, uh, or sorry, brands um, rely on consumer trust and having a relationship with their consumer. Humans are social creatures. We know how to instinctively, we know how to build a relationship with someone in person. How do we replicate that digitally? So it's hard. And, and what we do is most people will either um, become a digital customer of a, one of our clients by completing a form, sometimes a landing page, sometimes a purchase form. Uh, there are a lot of different ways. And on that page, uh, the client needs to put a statement that is either relates to GDPR or CCPA about gaining trust, but also needs to add on further to that and say, look, we want to know what you're interested in and why you're interested in that as regards our brand, but um, we're not going to abuse your email address or any of your... In fact, we're not even going to ask you a lot of your contact information. We just want your email because that's how we're going to communicate with you. You could do the same thing with text, uh, for example. Um, A lot of people are going to say, no, I don't trust you. But there will be some, and they're going to be the ones that are the most interested and the most passionate about your product, they're going to be your best buyers, and that's uh, a lot of what the platform is about, is finding your best buyers, engaging them, and creating brand loyalty. And you say they're uh, finding people who are passionate. Um, that is, the, I suppose, the, uh, the key difference between a huge online retailer, we don't need to mention a name, where they've got um, vast resources and huge numbers of customers only having to look at very small percentages with those people versus a, a smaller organization where really um, cultivating that relationship and, and, and making the most of that individual relationship matters so much more. Well, I think that's a generalization that's largely true, but... Um, if you're in New York, for example, and you know if you go to buy, and this company is not a client, but if you go to buy uh, jewelry at Bergdorf Goodman, let's say, that person behind the counter will do everything they can to build a relationship with you. And they will contact you. They will take your, your phone number. It's like when people sometimes call up Apple and they say, God, I got such good customer service. But as soon as I go digital... I don't get that kind of service. So the question is, how can you translate that relationship and that customer service onto digital and it doesn't come from turning people into ones and zeros? Mm. It comes from collecting real information on them. You do have to gain their trust and then being able to address them based on what they've asked you, what they're interested in, why they're interested in it. And what does, what does that look like? You know, if, 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 if an organization starts using... Umiji, just in terms of the statistics, in terms of what they might be missing out on if they don't, or in terms of the, the increase in engagement, what, what does this actually translate to? Okay, so one of the, one of the problems, I think, in uh, companies not, not knowing how to understand all these digital tools is a lot of them are very complicated. Mm. There are customer relationship manager platforms that have drop-downs upon drop-downs upon drop-downs. And so you, and they have um, a, you know, sometimes they give them the tag name of university. And so you go to that um, once or twice a year, you have people that are specially assigned to that. So, and then, you know, they'll, you'll have that. And then someone will say, okay, well, we have to build landing pages. So we got to buy a landing page builder. And now we have to buy a market research platform and nothing is integrated. And then we even need an email marketing platform as well. So now you're doing uploads and downloads and everything gets confused and the whole thing turns into kind of a mess, both 
operationally and in the outcome of what you're sending out. So what we've done is we've really uh, focused on uh, making it intuitive and simplifying. So instead of having to go out and buy, say, five different applications, what we've done is we've put all of them on one platform and they're all integrated. So there is a customer relationship management application. There is a landing page and campaign measurement builder. There is a market research application. There is a full email marketing program. And because they're integrated, you can segment in any part of the platform and you can send that to another part of the platform. Now, so all of that is sort of operational tech talk in a, in a way. But the point is that uh, the platform operates the way marketing departments operate and the way marketing departments think. We have to ask people questions. We have to learn what they're saying. And then we have to address them uh, based on the different groupings that we might make so that we're sending the right message to the right person every time. Now, you mentioned about um, passionate consumers earlier. Um, before we hit record, you talked about the fact that this, this has been particularly um, <clears throat> impactful with with cosmetics customers or food and drink uh, beverage organizations or uh, people and, and cats people with cats rather than cat products how does that translate though to some of those th those sectors of the market that aren't quite so tied to an individual passion is, is it as is it some what, what are the challenges rather with with those parts of the market that you're trying to overcome well you know whether a brand of toothpaste could benefit from this if you think about um, all of the uh, things we don't know about dental care and teeth, you know, there yes, there's an application for that. So, you know, could Crest Toothpaste benefit from this and learn more from their customers? Uh, I would say yes. We don't know because we haven't had that kind of client yet whether the percentages would go up or would go down. We've largely had clients uh, that are in uh, wine and spirits, food and beverage, uh, cosmetics, uh, athletics, uh, luxury products. And so we do know what some of these people are, are like. But I think that if you're always sending out communications to your customers that are sell, 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 people are going to turn it off after a while. Yeah. There's a point where you need to educate people and say, you know, here's why you need to brush your teeth twice a day. Oh, no, yes, we do sell toothpaste, but we want you to know good tooth care as well. So it's sort of that old, you know, Macy's not having it in the movie and uh, Miracle on 34th Street and saying you can get it at Gimbel's. And then Macy's earns a lot of respect because of that kind of thing. Yeah. So we need to get out. That's how you build relationships. We need to get out of this. I am selling all the time to... I'm going to teach you about this product and this category so you become a more informed buyer. And wherever you go, you can do a better job. And it, the likelihood is you're probably going to come to me in that case. Educating consumers is a really nice takeaway. That's me putting words in your mouth there to a degree. Well, that's what it is, yeah. Uh, but is there something else that you'd kind of suggest to people if, if this is a, a challenge for them mm -hmm. that, that they should think about and take away? Well, the, so the question is, how do, how do you educate? Um, and a lot of it, you know, we always say, you know, show, show, don't tell. So there's been a lot of, in the whole marketing world, there's been a lot of emphasis on stories 
and telling people success stories, uh, people overcoming challenges with your product, all of those things. Any way that, if you look at the ways we learn in life, those are the kinds of stories that you want to tell people. So content is very important. And look, just as a last question, more of a general point, what excites or concerns you about the state of the current tech market? You're someone who's, who's operated in it for a little while now. What do you see that in either direction really catches your attention? Now that cookies are going to be are scheduled to be going away, the deadline keeps getting pushed back, but they will go away. So we have all these companies that are kind of looking, well, what other ways can we track consumers that they don't know? How can we be behind their backs and really know where they are, geo-tracking or whatever it is? There still is a tendency to look for the easy way out. And just like it's not always simple to build a relationship in person between you and me, it's not that easy to do it digitally too. It's work. But if you do it the right way and you do it consistently, it will work. Mm. And so I am concerned about this continued need to track consumers behind their backs. Uh, we don't know quite yet what Google Sandbox is going to look like, but people were waiting for that. Let's see what that looks like. And what I would say is try something that's transparent and honest and upfront with the consumer. Well, look, John, I really appreciate you taking some time and coming in and, and talking to us. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Right. I, I, think, I think this is a really interesting interview in, in a lot of respects because, look, on this podcast, we get to talk about all sorts of various different topics, whether it's like AI and ethics or whether it's healthcare or whether it's sustainability. And therefore, when you're talking about a platform that's all around kind of advertising or customer relations or you know it's it's a, it's effectively a crm of sorts it feels a little bit more kind of rooted in enterprise and maybe not quite as sexy but the idea of how you build a relationship digitally with your customers is pretty sexy it's 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 the stuff that actually powers companies and keeps them going right yeah i, I think i think the way you engage with them right and and and, and also I think it what it's what keeps companies expanding because if they're not if they're not listening to their customer and, and getting that sort of critical feedback or you know kind of finding out rhythms and and trends um, in what their customer base is kind of using their platform for how are they how are they going to know what they want right so that's that is like you said it's the sexy side it's the knowing what's next it's the chasing of you know how can we make it bigger better brighter how can we you know kind of get above our competition um and yeah it, it definitely is is one thing and as a consumer i think it's a great place to be right because your feedback and thoughts are always being listened to so um i think we should we should always give our sort of feedback and, and kind of our sort of reviews and stuff you know if, if we feel strong enough about a platform or a product or whatnot. Yeah, and that's very much John's message. You know, how do you build that relationship? You know, he points out that a lot will say, no, I don't trust you. Mm. But Umiji's platform is about building brand loyalty and trust with those that do trust you and, and really focusing on, like you say, asking them for their opinion. So 
you know, he talked, uh, I think, in the interview about the person behind a counter in a jewellery store will do everything they can to build a relationship with you. They will take information from you. They will take kind of details, personal details. Maybe it's an email, maybe it's a phone number. They'll try and get to know you. They'll chit-chat with you. And that when we do this online, we can't turn people into ones and zeros. You need to ask questions. You need to gather information to grow that brand loyalty. So, okay, fine. A bunch of people aren't going to trust you. Let's face it, Akish, you probably buy, as do I, a lot of stuff online from from companies because it's a transaction. It's not because we love or or feel any loyalty towards that business but there are one or two businesses that absolutely there is there is a little bit of loyalty there and I'm quite happy to give them more information because I want them to recommend or keep me up to date with the latest products yeah absolutely and and I think that's key right and it's funny he gave that example of a jewelry store and and whatnot but I I actually used to work in a jewelry store when I was back. Did you? At, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I was back at university. Um, oh God, I wouldn't want to buy jewelry off you. Why not? <laughs> why not? I was so good. Um, genuine, mate. Genuine. Is it? Is it? <laughs> oh yeah, it's top top of the line platinum. It was uh, yeah, it's a two carat diamond. It was a cubic zirconium. <laughs> um, anyway, no, I, I actually used to do that, right? So I used to um, used to work for. Um, a, a high street jewelry store and um, I remember literally we were targeted on you know, bits of information so like you know let's say for example you, I mean, you're a married guy right so let's say you came in on like the 23rd of December um, and you were wanting to get you know a gift for your wife so it was all about kind of getting to know her like oh do you have any pictures of her what sort of jewelry does she wear you know and it was like it was it was almost like an onion right and that's what they used to say like you know you got to keep peeling back the layers and layers until you find kind of you know what's perfect for that customer and stuff but obviously it's not mm-hmm. the same right some people come in they're like i've seen that online i want to get it there you go but then there are other people that want your opinion but then also as someone who is in charge or selling that product it, it, it's your job to make sure it's tailored as much as it can be for that person right um mm-hmm. and that's as anything as small as i, I guess in this in this example it, it's about kind of having that customer centric approach but when you are selling these things it's about you know if, if you're doing shopping and you don't want to carry a 500 pound necklace around with you um you know for safety reasons or whatnot well why don't you leave it in store pick it up you know tomorrow we'll do this do that so it's about just finding different options and how you can then you know make yourself closer um to the customer and then i guess just going back on going back on 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 our point like there's absolutely i'm i'm a sucker for a deal and a bargain and if i can find a product cheaper somewhere when i'm buying stuff i will buy it but you are completely right there are certain places where i will go to purely because of the service purely because i know those people they know me and that's how we kind of work it's like it's it's, it's like um what can i compare for example a barber right and Mm -hmm. and you know gladly or luckily no one can see us and they just hear us on this podcast but it's a very good thing because listeners (laughs) i i managed might not noticed yet but i've i've managed to shave half an eyebrow off over (laughs) christmas i've I've not noticed that but now i'm just staring at you (laughs) Oh God, I can see that now. All right, well, no, <laughs> probably don't want to. Probably don't want to reveal what happened there. But anyway, um, but it's it's, it's it's like people and, and and barbers and and you know getting things like that. You you, you end up developing a relationship. Mm-hmm. They become, you know, almost a, a very close ally, a friend. 
you spend a lot of time with them, a lot of money over the year or whatnot. Um, and it gets to a point where you don't even need to explain something like at times you just go in, you sit down and that's it. And, and, you know, kind of, you, you, you walk out with, with, with the service and hopefully you're pleased with it, but it, it's kind of that sort of loyalty I think is, is great. And they're probably one of the well, one of the few businesses that I see where they are purely run in certain cases on mm. customer loyalty um, and a yeah. customer base that will only go to them, right? And look, John espouses um, getting to know your, the consumer uh, to help build brand loyalty, rather. Uh, he also talks about the fact that sell, sell, sell turns people off and you need to educate them. Talks about the uh, idea that, you know, you can you can sell toothpaste, but telling someone how to brush their teeth better um, is, is important and educating consumers is key. As we've mentioned, CES is going on. Biggest consumer electronics show in the world, biggest technology show in the world. Um, that's happening in Vegas uh, Akeisha, I thought we'd we'd finish off with just um, a, a chat about CES. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a quick look online today. Z or ZDNet mm-hmm. um, CES 2023 preview. Four big questions that will shape this week. They describe CES as the Super Bowl event of the year, and I thought this one was quite appropriate. Will big tech companies give us more than gimmicks? So mm-hmm. it talks about. Uh, 100-inch TVs, roll-up displays, silly robots, single-rider helicopters um, parading as flying cars. Um, Makes the point that, you know, consumers are being hit by inflation. Household um, spending is shrinking. Technology needs to show that it's not out of step here with with real consumers, with with just increasing the size of our television or packing more pixels in or telephones that bend or fold, right? Mm-hmm. It's a weird one because I do get when companies do that because there is a market for that, right? Um, there are people that won't feel the cost of living or won't feel the pound going down, you know, currencies going down, markets going down, that sort of thing. But um, I would, yeah, I'd love to see not even ethical like technology or, you know, kind of focusing on sustainability and stuff, but concentrating on real life matters like i you know Mm. i'd love to see maybe something that you know can be attached to your boiler to like regulate i don't know the amount of you know gas or central heating they use something like do you know what i mean like or or something that you could maybe use solar like you don't have to get your house you know absolutely renovated to have solar, solar panel energy whereby you could maybe use something put it near a window and that could then charge up like a heater or something i don't know yeah. like you know something like that um whereby it's also affordable i mean these 100 inch tvs sound good and 4k ultra hd you can see you know the sweat on a sportman's brow and all this sort of stuff yeah it sounds great but pff, i mean if you ain't got money to pay your electricity bill what's the point of having a tv it's also not like do we do we you know with with the, with the sustainability hat on it's like we're being told that actually streaming in hd is not a good idea we should probably stream in sd because of the carbon footprint of the internet and actually trying to think about stuff like that. how 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 important is it to really see the sweat on the brow yeah uh, you know as long as you can watch the game and see what's going on that's what mm. that's what that's what matters and 
um, you know, just because we can get pizza delivered faster, we don't necessarily need pizza to, to be to be delivered faster. That kind of analogy. On your point, one of one of the four uh, points this this article makes is: Will the best stuff come from unexpected places? Over three thousand companies exhibiting there. Um, a third of them coming to the show for the first time. So whilst there are big TVs and so on, you know, some of the tiny startups often display tech that's light years ahead. You know, there's a there's a bit of a focus there on AI. Will will AI start to automate useful things? Um, and lastly, the point that they make: Will anyone convince us to care about the metaverse? So to your point. Yes, hopefully we'll see some interesting um, innovations around stuff that could help us actually manage and regulate our money. Mm. And do we really give a shit about the metaverse at this point? There's other stuff that's important to people, right? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think I think people need to be a bit careful. Um, show a bit of empathy to the world, to what's going on. Like I, you know, I'm on a on a news website at the moment, which is a pretty renowned website, and. I mean, they're showing me pictures of a of a Mercedes electric car, which has some sort of virtual reality safety system. I mean, yeah, looks great, sounds great, great flagship. You know, you're going to put that, and it's inspired by an Avatar, and you're going to put it, you know, in Vegas as a showpiece. But I'm going to be completely honest with you. If I haven't got money to put petrol in my car, I'm not looking and bothered about that. Do you know what I mean? So I just think, mm. I think people just need to be a bit more empathetic show a bit of empathy show that you know we are here for each other and just be a bit more human um yeah, yeah. And, and i think having homes that are a bit smarter a bit more on the tech side where you can gear your energy and technology together i think that that could be a big thing this year well i there are a few people that i know who will be there i know startups magazine uh will be at CES. Um, I know there's a few PR contacts who have long been supporters of this show who are going to be there. I think Im um, from Archetype is, is is there. Look, if you're on the ground in CES, if you see some stuff that, that would fall into the category of technology that can genuinely help us, that's a little bit innovative and that uh, would satisfy Akish's um, need for technology to be more empathetic, then let us know what's going on on the ground. Please walk past anything NFT uh, metaversy we're not interested in that right now as much as we might be as the year goes on <laughs> or, or, or avatar mercedes-benz but you know okay thanks for your time thanks for joining us and uh, obviously we'll be back next tuesday oh.